everyone and welcome. Welcome to all of those who are present as well as those who are online. Welcome to the fourth installment of the series entitled Getting to Know You, God. As we stated before, this series is designed to assist us with developing an intimate relationship with God. And we do this by endeavoring to know God. Let us pray. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to draw closer to you each and every day of our lives. Father, we thank you for your word and how confident it could be, how encouraging it can be. But, Father, there is so much wisdom there, Father, that will help us as we go about our walk of faith, Father, that will help us grow into the mature Christians that you would have us to be. Father, we thank you that you've kept us safe to arrive here today, Father. And, Father, we pray that we, de- we devote our whole mind, soul, and spirit into your word, Father, that we may learn and we may grow. Father, thank you for loving us. These things we pray and thank you for in Christ Jesus' most holy name. Amen. In tonight's lesson, in tonight's lesson, we will deal with the discouragement that one feels when they've prayed to God over and over and over again over a long period of time and and it seems that their prayers have gone unanswered or they're actually saying my prayers have gone unanswered. Have you ever wondered? Have you ever wondered whether or not God is really listening? I know that we believe. I know that we believe, right? We believe in our hearts that God is there. We know that God wants us to pray to him. But many times, or rather how many times have you prayed and it seems like nothing happened? Nothing happened. James 5 and verse 16, the Bible reads, The effective prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But I ask you, doesn't it seem, doesn't it seem that sometimes our prayers, no matter how faithful we are, sometimes our prayers seem to go unanswered. No matter how righteous we are, sometimes it seems our prayers come back empty. For example, we pray. We pray to God fervently. We pray to God faithfully. We, we pray to him. And the person we are praying for dies anyway. The marriage that we are praying for falls apart anyway. We pray to God. And the company closes anyway. We pray to God. And the illness continues anyway. We pray to God and we ask for this direction. And God doesn't respond. And we go about our own business and make an incorrect decision or a poor decision. Make a mistake. When these things happen, it becomes easy to doubt one of God's most wonderful qualities. And that quality is this right here. God's mercy towards us. When I'm in this position, and I do find myself there quite a bit, and I'm certain some of you do as well, it is confident to know that I am not alone. Because, you see, when we read in the Bible, we find that many people in God's word have experienced this. 
And just to give you an example, one example in particular, there was a person who had this kind of doubt, and his name was Jeremiah. You know, he's the inspired author of the book of Lamentations, right? Jeremiah wrote this lament when? After the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonian army in 587 B.C. The small kingdom of Judah, in which the city of Jerusalem is located, was forced to pay tribute to the Babylonian king. And they, they had to pay tribute to him because they were the world power at the time. But the king... Zedekiah decided, he's the king of Judah, he decided enough is enough. I am not paying anymore. I am going to break this agreement with Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. I'm going to stop paying him tribute for what happened. What happened? The Babylonians responded, as you thought, they, as you know they would in situations like that. They responded by surrounding the city and for 18 months they held the city hostage, if you will. They did this because they knew it could starve out the inhabitants of Jerusalem and bring them into submission. And eventually they killed most of those who were remaining. They destroyed the temple and they burned the city to the ground. In the book of Lamentations, what we have is Jeremiah. He describes the seams, he describes the, the feelings, if you will, of the people during that siege. I want to take you to Lamentations chapter 1. Lamentation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The Bible there reads, How lonely sister city that was full of people. She has become like a widow who was once great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become a forced laborer. She weeps bitterly in the night and her tears are on her cheeks. She has none to comfort her among all her lovers. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become like enemies. Judah has gone into exile under affliction and under harsh servitude. She dwells among the nations, but she has found no rest. All her pursuers have overtaken her in the midst of distress. In chapter 2, in chapter 2 of Lamentations, Jeremiah describes God as the one who is doing this to Jerusalem. Why is this? Because his, in his mindset, God is allowing the enemies of Jerusalem, the enemies of Judah, to attack them. But not only that, to be successful in it. They have prayed for relief, but God has not answered. Lamentations 2, verse 1, the Bible reads, How the Lord has covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud in his anger. He has cast from heaven to earth the glory of Israel and has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger. In this and other chapters, what we find is that Jeremiah describes the, the terrible suffering experienced by the people. When we say terrible destruction, what's happening here? Uh, people are dying of starvation. Mothers are killing and eating their own children. As we see it, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. 
he also describes his own feelings about God because because of the things that have happened in Jerusalem. In chapter 3, at verse 4, he talks about the physical suffering. In chapter 3, at verse 13, he talks about the emotional trauma that he's personally experienced. And in chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, he talks about the spiritual despair that he feels. And why is he feeling this? Because of what has taken place in Jerusalem. We look at Jeremiah, and this is what we find. We find a righteous man who has done God's will. We find a righteous man who believes, but not only that, he believes and has dedicated his life to serving the Lord. And now what has happened? What has happened now is this trouble. This trouble has come upon him. What trouble are we talking about? His people die in the streets in a horrible way. His nation is taken over and destroyed by ungodly people. His church to temple has been desecrated. His own body and emotions are put through intense, intense trust, suffering. All of this takes place despite, despite the prayers to the contrary. The prayers to God for assistance. But in the middle of this crisis, in the middle of this crisis... Jeremiah rises up. He rises up and he expresses his continued belief that in spite of the pit of suffering that he's going through at this time, at that very moment, his God is a God of mercy. His God is a God of love. In Lamentation chapter 3, verses 21 through 24, the Bible reads, Lamentations chapter 3, 21 through 24. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. And we sing this song. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saves my soul. Therefore, I will have hope in him. Jeremiah is beaten, but he's not broken. Jeremiah is down, but he's not out. Why is this? Because he understood three things about God. He understood three things about God and his relationship with him in these troubles. And I say this right here to us, brethren. We can be like Jeremiah. Because, you see, we too can be beaten but not broken we too can be down and not out why for the same reason that jeremiah because we that is i understand three things about god and his relationship with me in my time of troubles speaking for us individually because i understand first of all god is sometimes silent but God is never absent. <laughs> we live in America. <laughs> and, and, and we are a different generation. We are a generation that's used to speed. Everything must move quickly or else we discard it. We throw it out. The reason for this is that we are subject to time and we only have so much of it. We are limited in the amount that we have. So it is precious to us because we can feel the ticking of the clock. But God is not subject to time. 
He's not subject to time. He moves and he accomplishes his will with perfect timing. And he is not distracted or pressured by time like we are. Because of this, we sometimes mistake God's silence for God's absence. We mistake his silence for his lack of action in our care. And we say he does it because he has a lack of love for us. Even though God seems silent in answering Jeremiah's prayers, look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah knew from God's dealing with him, he knew from God's dealing with the nation of Israel throughout history that God was not absent. So let's talk about us for a moment. Let's talk about us for a moment. When our lives, when our lives rather, are surrounded by troubles, when our bodies and spirits wasted by, are wasted by constant trials, and our prayers seem to be falling on deaf ears, we need to remember something. We need to remember that God may be silent for the moment, but he is still God. And because he is still God, he is still there. This sentiment is expressed beautifully on a wall in Cologne, Germany. These words that I'm about to read, they was written on this wall during a time what people say was a time of insanity. It was a time referred to as World War II. Some of us have in here have been there, done that. We know about it. These are the words that's written on that wall in Germany. I believe in the sun, even when it is not shining. I believe in love, even when I do not feel it. And I believe in God, even when he is silent. Number two, when I am beset with trouble, I need to let God know. Don't keep it a secret. Many times when we pray, we, we, we pray this way. We offer God solutions to our problems. Or we complain that our, about our problems instead of just pouring out all of our problems before him in prayer. Some people see the book of Lamentation as a man whining and complaining about tragedy. However, the book of Lamentations is a book of a man who's actually pouring out his heart, pouring out his soul before God in times of trouble. Human beings, we need to experience grief when troubles come. And part of that experience is the emptying out of our hearts and souls of the pain, of the frustration, of the anger, and the fear that is generated by tragedy. At 1 Peter 5, verse 6 and 7, 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7, the Bible reads, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, 
casting all your anxiety on him. Why? Because God cares for you. All of Jeremiah's weeping and review of his problems before God and, and, you know, they, they did not change the situation. Notice I said they didn't change the situation. Well, what changed then? The man changed. Jeremiah changed. Same thing with us. We change. Once he got the herd out, Jeremiah then was able to, to relate to God again through, through, through his limitations. He gained a clearer perspective which enabled him to hope for a better tomorrow. When we find ourselves having those difficult times, are we hoping for a better tomorrow? Not like Annie, you know, tomorrow is always a day away. No, really hoping for a better tomorrow. Hoping the next day, because of God, is going to be better than today. Do we have an expectation that this is even possible? When we hurt, do we let God know? When I hurt, I need to let God know. And we do it in prayer. Part of the healing process is produced through the action of emptying ourselves out of the details and feelings associated with the problem and then doing something else. Setting these down before a loving God, setting these down before a caring God and a merciful God. Number three, I understand that God has a purpose. The people of Judah, we look back at that time, they were polluted by idols. They were polluted by corruption. And this stuff was leading them away from God. This was jeopardizing God's plan. Remember, God's plan was to one day bring Christ Jesus through the people of Judah. But these very people, what were they doing? They were, they were being polluted by idols and corruption. God had to do something. Because, you see, if they had continued in their idolatry, right, they would have eventually abandoned God's word. They would have abandoned the, the uh, temple worship. And this was necessary to give meaning to the work that our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus would do when he came into this world. Their action, their actions was risking not only their salvation, not only their salvation, but the salvation of those who were coming after them not just in the near future but in the distant future when I say the distant future I'm talking about going back to then and all the way up to today so God had he not intervened we in our generation we in our generation right we would be lost as well we would not have access to the hope that we have through our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. Just think about that for a moment. The destruction and the exile of the Jewish people of that time, it accomplished actually several important things. Number one, 
it preserved a small group of Jews who remained faithful and were purified through their trials in exile. Number two, it was during this period at this time of exile that the, the synagogue system became began rather and served the Jewish people so well as they traveled from one foreign country to another. As you remember, when we look in the word of God and we look at the missions of Paul, it was in this network of foreign synagogues that, that Paul used to establish the first churches in the Roman Empire some six centuries later. Just think about that. And number three, the Jewish people never again went into idolatry after this. This punishment taught them a lesson that they would never forget. Paul says that, Romans chapter 8 at verse 28, he says this. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. God to those who are called according to his purpose. The suffering that Jeremiah witnessed, the suffering that he felt, it was used by God. It was used by God for a reason and a purpose. It was used by God to accomplish his purpose. And in this, we obtain a better understanding, if you will, of what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 8 at verse 28. Let's go back and break that down. He says this right here. God uses all things for his purpose. We understand all. (laughs) All is everything. All things. That include the good, the bad, and the ugly. He said that God uses them for his purpose, not our purpose. When we become discouraged because we can't see the why or the where where for us, if you will, of our suffering. And God is not going about the business of explaining it to us. We get discouraged. Whoever said that God always uses the events that cause us hurt to serve us? It says this right here. That he uses all things for his purpose. And his purpose may not include us at the moment. At the moment. The Jews who suffered the loss of home, they suffered the loss of family. They died in exile. Did not know. They did not notice. They did not know that their pain would serve others in the far future. But it did. It did. Number three. All things are used for good, for his purpose, and in his good time. I think the problem is we want his purpose to serve us and to serve us yesterday, right now, immediately. However, however, God may use something in one century to serve the good of someone else in another century, in another place, in another culture. Walking by faith requires that we, 
as Christians endure the trials in our lives even when we do not see how and for whom God will use them. We just trust that he will. At Psalm chapter 56 at verse 8, Psalm 56 at verse 8, the Bible reads, You have taken account of my wanderings. You have put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? We think about it for a moment. It should be enough that I know that God has his plan and that he weaves, if you will, every event, every intent to me, the good, the bad, and the ugly, he weaves it into his glory and our ultimate good. What is his glory and what is our ultimate good? Salvation. Salvation. When my life seems to be out of control, my hopes in ashes and and my nights are never ending. It's comforting to realize that because of God, I am not alone. Because of God, I am not alone. My life is not wasted. God can and will fit my life and all is good, all is bad, and all of his ugly into his purpose. In in um, grief support classes, in grief support classes, a facilitator always held a group to to not be surprised when trouble comes. And this is why he says that trouble always comes. You just don't know when it's going to come, but trouble always comes. Sometimes when trouble comes, it seems that all we have heard, all we have learned about God and does not ring true. Why? Because, because my trouble seems, for the moment, my trouble seems greater than God. Versus God being greater than my troubles. So what do we need to do? What do I need to do? Speaking individually, what do I need to do? I need to remember three things. I need to remember that God is sometimes silent, sometimes silent, but God is never absent. Do not mistake his silence for a lack of love. Do not mistake his silence for an inability to act. Number two. I need to unburden my heart before God. That is, if I am truly going to heal. Sometimes we cannot, we cannot fix what is broken, what is done. But you know, fervent prayer to God, fervent prayer to God is always good medicine for the heart. Good medicine for the soul. 
Number three, I need to remember God has a purpose. God has a purpose. It is not so much that God has a purpose for my life, but that God has an overall purpose, which now we're talking about all of us. It's not no longer about me. It's about us. And your life, my life will fit into his purpose if I offer it to him in faith. So I encourage you, each and every one of you, including myself, I encourage you to keep trusting in God. I encourage you to keep praying to God. Even when you cannot hear, even when you cannot see him working in your life, during those good, those bad, and those ugly times, keep trusting in God. It's easy during the good times, right? It's easy. During the bad times, it might be, oh, not, it's, 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 it's doable. But during the ugly times, it's really hard. During the ugly times, it's really hard. Also, continuously offer the life that you have in whatever shape it's in, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Continue to offer that life, your life, my life, to God for his purpose. Now keep this in mind. God doesn't expect a perfect life. <laughs> keep this in mind. God already got that, remember? Jesus Christ, he got the perfect life that he needed, and it was the perfect life that he needed in order for us to have the hope that we have, to have the forgiveness that we have, to have the grace that we have. God wants our lives stop God wants my life in whatever condition it's in the good, the bad and the ugly so that he can use it in a way that he sees fit now this is your message tonight but I got a question last week I asked this question I kind of like left it out there it was like rhetorical but this one, I actually want to see what you guys think. Because this is the fourth time I've asked this question. And I know from looking at those little wheels I see turning in all of these heads, I know you guys been thinking about your answer. Microphone. How can you use this lesson and the lesson I'm talking about, getting to know you, God, how can you use this lesson to grow spiritually and help others come into a relationship with our Lord and Savior, with your Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus? Well, we had a mic. We got a mic. Ah. Um, God is silent but never absent. I remember a long time ago we would uh, try to argue the point that God did not wind the world up and let it go. And say, just figure it out. Um, and so the fact that God doesn't listen, doesn't audibly speak to us, 
many people believe he's absent. But um, we have to remind ourselves that God promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Therefore, he's always with us, always listening, and already has it figured out. So thank you. Okay, thank you. Hmm? Oh, I got it. Good exercise. Anyone else? One of the things that I find that um, uh, about God, and that is God brings meaning and purpose to our lives. The meaning is that when the Holy Spirit, we're receptacle of the Holy Spirit holding that, that gives us meaning. And then, of course, in his scriptures, he gives us marching orders. Those marching orders is to secure other people to come in to also have the Holy Spirit. And uh, so, uh, and when you have meaning and purpose, then you have a full life that he promises. I came that you might have life and have it to the full. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just listening, I haven't been here for a lot of the previous ones, but based upon what we heard tonight, uh, God is a God that wants to be connected to us as a people. And in that connection, there's people on the outside. As we have that connection and we learn to have that connection. There's people out in the world that are, have that void looking for connections. And it is our duty that we have that, to be excited about that and to go out there and show the people the excitement that we have. Anytime we get something new, we have something we're excited about. We're always wanting to share that with the world and saying, did you see this happen? Did you see that? It becomes a part of our conversation, our daily lives, our work lives. What we got going on and what we have, if we're excited about it. We share that with others as well. So they can get that connection. People are looking for that, especially this time in the holidays where they have a void they want to feel and we fill it with alcohol. They fill it with drugs and we need to be helping people out see that, and that what God has and God's people has and how we can, their, their old life will be fulfilled. Thank you. Anyone else? All right. So then, thank you all for being here tonight. Um, next Wednesday... Tony is going to do a different lesson, and I will come back the following Wednesday to finish up uh, part five of this lesson. Uh, I'm going to go watch uh, one of the best movies ever written in the annals of Hollywood on the 29th. Uh, some of us have gone to that movie. <laughs> Colonoscopy. <laughs> <laughs> I will try to stay awake for it. <laughs> but uh, Tony will be filling in next week, and then I'll finish up the lesson, and then Tony will take over on uh, Wednesday, 
Wednesdays after that. I thank you all for your time here for this short lesson, that series that we brought. Uh, I hope we do are gaining something from it each and every time we come together. Uh, in a moment, we will be having our devotional. Um, that gives me a couple of minutes to uh, find a song, unless Mike wants to lead it for me. No? <laughs> so again, thank you all for joining us, whether here in person or, uh, or online. We thank you all for joining us tonight, and please hang with us for the uh, devotional that will be coming.